it wasn't my fault, but it was my opportunity to make stuff better for myself. And I always say to people like healing isn't for the broken. It's for the ambitious. I always say that, you know, Mm. it's really for the ambitious. It's for those who want to further their life. And I hate the word for responsibility because I hate that I use it sometimes when I feel like I'm putting like the onus and the blame on someone, but it really taught me that like, you have to take responsibility for your own healing in this world and for helping people do their own healing. Hey everyone, my name is Sarah and welcome to Her Ascension Story, the podcast that proves the world is transformed by every hero's personal adventure. Here we talk about the real and the raw things that we should all be talking about more. If you want to be a part of the movement of getting real about the deeper, more meaningful things about life, be sure to subscribe and follow and get ready to get real. My hope is that this platform inspires you to explore and expand new empowering beliefs about yourself so you can make your own impassionate impact too. And those three pillars, inspiration, independence, and impact, aren't just the premise for this podcast, but for my work too. If you want to check out that more, be sure to go to herascensionstory.com or check me out on social media at Her Ascension Story. Today I have Mary Louisa. She's a divine channel that helps connect people to their spiritual teams. And she's also a fellow podcaster um, talking about a variety of different universal topics. Mary Louisa, thank you so much for being here with me today. No, thank you so, so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's always really nice. Thank you. Awesome. So a couple months ago, actually, it was more, it was earlier in the winter here, I had a reading with you and and it was really surprising because I actually listened to it before our call today. And the things that you talked about and the questions that you answered are extremely relevant to what I'm doing now. And it's so amazing how accurate you are. Were you always intuitive from a young age or is that something that you grew into or? Um, no, it's, no, it's, I'm glad that it was really accurate for you. Just first, first, <laughs> first off the money. Um, that often happens where it's like, I always warn clients as well that things can be quite, was really nice to hear. Um, I, I'm a bit of an interesting case because I have been not necessarily intuitive, well, very intuitive. I'm your moons. There's always, uh, there's always an element with, of intuition with any water moon. So I was a really clairvoyant child. So I kind of, I know this sounds really like dumb, but I feel like a lot of people can resonate with it. I like saw things, but I didn't think it was anything different from what anyone else is seeing. I kind of always just saw and knew and um, just from when I was a very young child, you know, spirits, a lot of energies, a lot of angels. I've always had more of a connection with um, kind of those angelic and guide realms and maybe spirits. It's not that I don't see them. It's just that we all kind of have different journeys and I prefer to work with them. Um, but, yeah, so I've always, yeah, been very intuitive. And I think that I just remember a lot of times in my childhood, and I'm sure you can say the same, where you, you know you just know something's going on. You just know something's about to happen and you just know. Yeah, that's like what I really remember. And it's um, – been a bit of a journey though because like my it's raw gifts are great and they're really powerful but you have to sculpt them into something you don't just leave them you like train them um my last four years when I've been reading continuously for people because I I reckon I started about 16 but I didn't read in the way that I do now until like for the last four years maybe 
um, they've grown so much. So it's always really important to remember that, like, you can have raw intuition, but then you, like, have to sculpt a statue with it, so to speak, if you get what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. So, no, um, just yes, but, like, it's really grown. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like working with your intuition and helping people in that way is something that you were born to do or – like, did you feel a calling for it? or, uh, or... This, is a, this is a good question because no. Like, most psychics will tell you, like, oh, yeah, it always felt really cool and really drawn, but, like, no, not at all. So I always saw, but when from when I was a very young child, like, because I wanted to be, like, I was that little kid at age six who was like, I want to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a human rights lawyer, I'm going to be a singer, an actress. And from about 12 onwards, 14 especially, when I kind of, was diagnosed with my spiritual gifts because before that I just kind of didn't really know what they were and kind of disregarded them, especially um, just in light of having quite a traditional upbringing. Like my mum is very spiritual, but my dad's quite scientific. So it's like, it like was a lot of faith. There was religion, you know, I was Catholic, but I wasn't particularly spiritual. So I didn't know about all this stuff. I was very scared of it as well, but I swore black and blue that I would never work in the spiritual industry that I would hate it, that it would be too competitive and that I would just be miserable. So, no, I didn't. I really didn't. And it's funny because when I look back through, like, every moment in my life, there's always um, this thing that I swear not to do that I end up doing um, or I fall <laughs> into. It's always the way. It's, it's funny. But, I, um, yes, yeah, so I swore, no, I will never do it all the way from when I was about 14 and then when I was 16 and learned the tarot, I was like, mm, this is just going to be something that I do for family. And I was very good at it. And, um, and then I got to about 19 and I just like started feeling like spirit was saying, like, go on YouTube, you'll make some money. Because I think that's how they thought that they would get me in there. They're like, you'll help some people and you'll make some money. You hate your part-time job, you know, because I was at uni and I had like a full-time part-time job. Um, like just like get on there you'll have fun you'll enjoy yourself and I always really liked doing the cards or like liked you know seeing things and talking about things but I didn't really know about that world because the only exposure that I'd ever had to it was during Virtue and like Colette Baron Reed that's like the only kind Mm -hmm. of other readers that I knew who um yeah so I actually didn't really feel called I just kind of dropped into it like one day I was like "Mm, I can't be bothered with YouTube I actually bought a tripod that sat on my um my desk in my study for like ages. I remember I had like two because like, this was at my old house and I had like two rooms and I kept like setting up to do videos and I never did it because I was like, mm, I'm never going to work in the spiritual world. Like why would I want to do that? Um, I was just, I was convinced I was going to be bored because I'm a very, I love history and I, law was always on my mind. So it's very fast paced and it's very in, in the world. And I always used to tell like my mum and people like, I'm, I'm of this world. I'm not of the spiritual world, which I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but this is the stubbornness of youth. And then um, I just kept resisting doing YouTube. And so then one day I just uploaded on Instagram and that's kind of, yeah, where it all started. But no, never. I didn't feel a calling. I really fell into it. And I think that's a lesson for people to take away because everyone wants to feel lightning bolt of like calling, but sometimes your, your purpose isn't that. It's something that really sneaks up on you and it's something that you just kind of can't help but fall into. And so sometimes you just need to have a little faith in, in you know, yourself and in your soul and in your purpose and in your, your life generally that 
one way or another, things that are for you aren't going to miss you. You're going to fall into them one way or another. I was just really lucky and I've had a lot of astrologers look at my chart and a lot of numerologists and all of those people because I'm surrounded by them, which is another reason why I'm so surprised that I didn't think I was going to end up in the spiritual world. Um, that, you know, they just look at my chart and they go, you're kind of giving your, your purpose pretty early. And I was like, mm, but my, my past selves and my soul worked for that. So don't, don't, don't take it for granted. Um, <laughs> but like, they worked for it. They suffered for it. Um, mm. But yeah, no, so definitely not. Sorry, answering your question in a roundabout way. But um, it was not something that I intended to do. I didn't feel a calling. I resisted the calling very hard. But it's been... Once I got in there and got in there on my own terms, it was fine. I just didn't want to go. I don't know. I, yeah, no. It was kind of just something that I couldn't help, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. That's... That definitely makes sense. And I love how real you are when you say yeah, no. that, <laughs> that <laughs> how if something's for you, it won't go by you. And mm. like you have this purpose and it's not necessarily a calling, but it's something that just like repetitively comes into your life and you have these inner nudges and you're like, this is it. Like, this is, this is what you're, you can do. This is how you can either make money or this is how <laughs> you can help people. However, they try to like wrangle you into it. Mm. But even though it's a part of your purpose, did you experience any kind of obstacles or risk factors to do the work that you do now? Um, Yes, uh, I, I can, you know, I'm sure you can totally appreciate and empathize with. I've had a lot of personal um, hindrances, challenges, obstacles, yeah, all, through, all, the, all of the above um, <laughs> that have come up. I will say for anyone who's listening to this who wants to more invest in psychic work, and I'm sure you, you can say the same, it's not always easy to come into the confidence to do it because it is it is hard to be confident in something that is not necessarily factual. We're raised in a very factual black and white world. We are, you know, it's very, um, this is right. This is wrong. This is what you can see. So this is real. And so it's very difficult to learn to trust yourself enough to trust what essentially you feel or think you can see, because like I had people tell me I was schizophrenic because of what I saw. So, you know, there's always like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that there's never any doubt that slips into my mind. It's gotten a million times better. It's the 1% in the 99%, uh, the 1% to the 99%, but it, it does sit there. But I had a lot of calls that I had to overcome in order to be as clear a vessel as I was, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know if you want me to go too much into them. I'm happy to, but it just, I think that doubt was the big one in terms of psychic work and also confidence and the persecution fear that I really carry with me, um, which I think a lot of psychics, you know, imposter syndrome, persecution fear, they kind of go a bit hand in hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, definitely I have a lot of um, issues to overcome in terms of dad issues, father issues, you know, traditional daddy issues um, and a lot to do with, yeah, just general stuff. I hundred percent as well feel like sometimes I really love the community I'm a part of, but sometimes I have to take a step from it because it can be a lot. And there's just a lot of opinions that you'll agree with and you won't agree with. And it's, it's yeah, all making sense. I don't know. But um, in terms of doubt, it was really um, very, especially because I started doing what I do 
on the scale I did it at such a young age. Like when I first started kind of getting big on Instagram and kind of having more clients, I reckon I was about 20, just turned 21. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I started my account in April and I turned 21 in December. I would have turned 21 in the December. I was so young. I didn't know how to deal with anything. Like it's just about life experience, you know. I've I've been through really bad situations and I had a very somewhat abusive childhood in regards to like my stepmother, but I had never been through a you know a, an abusive partner. I had never had an abusive partner, and so things like that when you come up against other people's experiences and you think, oh my god, I'm not equipped to deal with this. Like, who am I to be helping this woman with such a big issue? And I think it's like, I don't know if that's something all spiritual people go through I don't know what do do you feel like sometimes it's like this sense of imposter syndrome and like who am I to deal with this like Mm -hmm. who who am I to deal with this um so I think that there was a lot of um growing up that I had to do and I'm very fortunate because I did have a very um let's say um a childhood that made me very mature as you know, a lot of people can kind of empathize, you know, when you're, it's so traumatic that you become very mature. I just saw this TikTok on TikTok. I was about to say this TikTok on, I didn't know where. Um, and it was like someone saying, you're very mature. And I thought, yeah, thank it's, it's all the trauma. And it's a hundred percent the case. Um, but I had to really learn that you don't have to know everything, that you don't have to have experienced everything because the truth is that we can't experience everything. We're not meant to. And that's where empathy needs to make up the the difference and also where spirit needs to come in and talk through me. Because when I first started, I kept having this, like, I have to, I have to be good enough. I have to know everything. And that's something that I really had to just, honestly, like, I want to say that I did all this spiritual work around it, but it's something that you, you grow out of and you get used to because we all have to relinquish the control of needing to know at some point. Make sense? Am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you're saying, I'm over here just like shaking my head, like nodding my head. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like everything from the traumatic childhood to like making you growing up faster. Yeah. And then to, I think trusting yourself is such a big obstacle. Oh, 100%. And it's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. Absolutely. Where do you, where do you think you are now? You said that it's kind of more of 1%, 99%. But when you find yourself in that 1%, how do you mm-hmm. bring yourself back into that self-confidence and that self-trust? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think sometimes for me, because I'm, I think sometimes it's a positive and a flaw that I'm not particularly ego and this is not me saying that egotistically because I 100% I have an (laughs) ego and I'm very accepting of her you know it's a spectrum of soul and she's just a different end of it I'm very fine with having an ego because when I need her she comes out to protect me Mm. um but I think that not like even like all of my friends say no you're not very egotistical which sometimes it's nice to be egotistical because you can rely on confidence coming from there but I'm not that (laughs) so it doesn't happen unfortunately (laughs) Um, but I think my biggest thing and what spirit's really saying to me is when I'm in a really, a place where I'm doubting, I, a change my state. And this is actually like not my words. I went to, um, see Tony Robbins, I reckon when I was about Mm -hmm. 17, not, yeah, he's not really someone that I vibe with, but someone took me to his like four day course. I went to Sydney. It was very exciting to go, 
you know, for a course, I felt for a conference when I was 16, I felt so, so professional because you know? um, I'm in Melbourne. So Sydney, you know, it's a, it's a city, it's a bubble. Um, but I remember always the one really vibed with me from that, co- that um, conference, apart from the lava walk, I did that. I walked across the coals. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. He makes you, and he does it on the first night. It was interesting. Um, yeah. but it was, um, change of state. Okay. If I'm, you know, when you kind of fall into doubt and you fall into it in a big way and you fall into it in a heap and you just stay there, sometimes it's really positive to go, okay, this isn't helping me. If I stay here, I'm just going to sit in this. I need to change my state. I need to do something. And that's quite easy for me because I'm lucky. I work at home. If I suddenly am falling into a really bad place, I go for a walk, I go for a bike ride, I catch up with a friend, even though everyone works now, so it's harder. Um, (laughs) But the first thing I always do is really try and change my state, okay? Um, because sometimes sitting in something is really helpful, but sometimes it's not. So it really, I, it depends. If it's something I need to sit in and feel and experience, then I'll journal about it, which is, you know, the age-old answer. Um, but now, nowadays when I really fall into doubt, I kind of just don't let it hold me back. That's the truth of, like, fear is that, it, especially for myself, I'm a very anxious person anxiety just sits in my family line like blood Uh, like even I told my grandmother that I was getting a bike and she like nearly cried because she thought I'd fall off it and die like anxiety and worry (laughs) my nonna she's just you know incredibly uh, worried as all Mediterranean women are um, about anything and everything Um, but I just don't let her back and I know that sounds like a really simplistic answer but it's like nothing more that you can do apart from excuse me get in there in general about why I'm doubting, why I'm, I'm not self-confident. And I think the biggest one for me as well is getting rid of comparison because it's so easy, especially when you're in the community that we're in, to go, oh, my God, but, like, she's, like, better than me or he's, like, amazing. Like, comparison is a big factor, especially when I was younger. I used to do that a lot. But now I've, I have boundaries, like, with how much energy that I give to other people's, like, energy like I have boundaries but yeah that's the changing my state is the big one and then journaling is another one of like why why is this doing and also I do a lot of body work um which sounds really weird but it's basically I do healing because often when you're having doubt and when you're in fear etc etc it sits in your body and that's why we feel it because it's almost like it pulls us down it anchors us or it grounds us but it's not a positive grounding if that makes sense so I um usually do some work with my guides to clear and heal that yeah they're they're kind of my big tools but honestly doubt is something that I it's not that I expect it to follow me through the the rest of my life but it's something that I think just often sits there and if it's going to hold your hand you better as well you might as well just let yourself drag it along instead of letting it pull you behind that's my that's my that's my motto with it (laughs) Oh, I really love that. That's so powerful how I think the story that you said about changing your state is Mm. the perfect example of how we can honestly just we have that much control over our minds to just flip a switch and say, no, like I'm going to create a new situation here. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm going to drag this with me instead of being dragged by it. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's you're right. It's very. um it's very easy to kind of fall back into that mindset. And that's why not to like, I feel like I'm pygmy 
beauty, even though I love it. But I do think there are some, there's this weird, I've really been noticing recently that there's a bit of a division in thought. It's like, okay, accept things and like let yourself feel them, which I 100% agree because I don't think that emotions are good to keep inside and suppress. But then there's also this other part of me that goes, okay, but when you do that and when you're at the mercy of your emotions, you resist detaching from them. Because the truth is, as much as our power comes from our emotions, getting really involved with them. And whenever I work with higher beings, they always say, don't get, like, get, be a bit more detached. Because when you're detached, you can control things or create things more with, like, your innate soul power rather than just with your, like, desperation or your fear or your excitement or your happy. Like, it's, it's a weird thing. But um, you're right, you can 100% sort of cut yourself off from there, but it's a hard thing to get to and you can create a new situation, but it can be really hard, especially when you're used to disappointment or you're really in a bad space. It's a bit of, a, it's a bit of an interesting one. I've, I've just decided everything has to be taken situationally because it just upsets me when I, you know, I'm, I'm a Sagittarius. We think endlessly of like philosophical <laughs> ideals and I'm always trying to solve the problems of the world, but I've just come to the conclusion that some things I can't solve. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. So you mentioned like way earlier now, that um, when you first, around 21, when you really started getting bigger, working with more clients and everything, that um, it was just something that you haven't really dealt with before. So Mm -hmm. how did you cope with all of those changes that your transformation process brought into your life? I learned a lot, um, and I'm still learning, but I learned a lot in those, yeah, first kind of couple of years. One of the big, I think like one of the big things was maturity as like basic as that sounds like, and it's not to say that I'm totally perfect and mature now. It's just like getting older and being able to deal with more. But um, one of the big things that I really learned in those first few years was grounding. Grounding's a huge one um, because you can't deal with any sort of transformation unless you're or you can deal with it, but you can't deal with it as well unless you're really kind of grounded in who you are and what you're doing and where you are in in your life. Because sometimes you have to just go, okay, I'm going to be grounded in this moment, which feels traumatic and transformational, uh, traumatic, you know, but very transformational. Trans- I cannot speak. Very transformational. And I, I don't know, I just did and I dealt with things. And I, I think a big lesson of any sort of transformation that came out of it for me was like, you don't need to know everything and you don't need Mm -hmm. to control everything and that you have to accept the path that you're being taken down. And that's something that like we all need to learn no matter what, you know, sometimes, and I say this to clients as well, because there'll be occasional things that I, um, that I, people that I see when I ask spirit for an answer and they go, you've got to tell her that she doesn't need to know this. And people most people are pretty good like that. But some people get like, well, why? And I'm like, <laughs> you just don't need to know everything. It's not helpful. It's not serving you at this time. And I, people always kind of give me a bit of a look when I say that. But I'm like, mm, but this is showing that I'm actually working for your, your, your soul's good, not just like what you want me to do right now. Um, and I think if you ask most psychics, they'll say the same. Sometimes, you, yeah. So it's kind of like the biggest thing that I've come out of, like that whole period of my life where I was just, you know, I was 21. I was so bombarded by energy. 
I had just basically cured myself like of my disease because I was really sick for four years and it was like the first year that I was off medication. So I was dealing with like the cleansing of my body of all of that and also of those kind of, I don't really have a lot of mindsets around being sick. I kind of did not realize I was sick. I know that sounds silly, but when you're a child and you're sick, you kind of just don't think about it. Um, I was like in the midst of really big daddy issues and a lot around suppressed memories from childhood had come up. So I was dealing with like a lot of that in my personal life as well as all the other shit you deal with at uh, 21. So, you know, boys and friends and hating everyone and going out, you know, and going out and hating everyone, all of that. And then you have a moon for sure. Yeah. Like, and, you know, you'd think it'd be better because we start drinking at 18, right? Our, our legal limit is 18 here. Okay. So you'd think that we would be all over that by 21, but we're not. It gets worse. <laughs> um, it, it was terrible. But, um, so then on top of that, I added in tarot and there was just energy bombarding me from every corner. And I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't understand the concept of boundaries because I'd always just been very pure light energy. And I had dealt with a lot of dark energy growing up from the I lived with. Who, Even when I you love people, there are times where they radiate, you know, anger and mm-hmm. radiate sadness. It's, it's not necessarily a personal thing. Um, but... I just didn't know how to deal with all of that. And I was so unsure about um, how to do all of the the readings and like, and I kind of had to just figure that out for myself. And that's where it all came in. Like, especially as well, when I was dealing with these really big situations, especially abusive situations, like at least with stuff like sexual assault, I could deal with because I had a lot of experience in the area, but like abusive and all of this sort of I had dealt with, but not in, like, not with, not from a partner and, you know, really big things, homelessness with clients. I just didn't always know how to deal with. So I'd actually like, I could, I'm very confidential, but I used to go to my mum and sometimes cry, (laughs) just cry because I was like, I don't know how to deal with all of this. Like, what do I do? And she actually would always say, but you're not doing it, spirit is. And that's what I had to accept, that I wouldn't need to know everything and that I had to set up boundaries and that I had to be somewhat detached. And I think sometimes when people come to me, I seem a little bit detached, but if I don't do that, I'll die because I'll get involved in everything Mm. like I'll just I'll just collapse energy wise and so yeah no I I think it was a lot about learning that you don't actually need to know everything and at the time I actually think that I was going through a bit of a dark night of the soul which I don't know if you know what that is I'm sure you do but yeah it's traumatic It's, it's it's a lot um but it was very transformational as well so I kind of think it in a way but, yeah, no, it was just a lot. And I think surrendering the need to know was the big lesson that came out of all of that and that comes out of any transformation, any, you know. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned that you dealt with sexual assault and everything. Did, yeah. I'm sure you had PTSD. So how did you actually transform and grow out of that situation and yeah. integrate and move forward from it? I, my situation's a bit unique. And if you don't mind me talking about it, I'm really open about talking about it, but um, I, know Go it. I, don't, I don't want to trigger anyone. Um, so I was actually um, assaulted as a child. So when I was about, um, I reckon, I've kind of suppressed the age and I know that sounds really silly, but it was about seven or eight. I was, um, yeah, there were a couple situations or a situation that occurred that was very, um, toxic obviously it was assaulted it was abusive I never know I'm a bit awkward talking about it purely because like I don't know I just always don't want to hurt people or upset them but um 
it was a very traumatic for me, obviously. And I actually was one of the more fortunate people, I think, because what I did in that moment, I remember it all happening and I actually went out of my body um, because as you'll actually hear a lot of um, survivors or victims of that, they go completely out of their body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I, and I think I was very fortunate because it happens to some people, but it doesn't happen to everyone. And I think it's a bit more horrific if it doesn't happen to you. Um, but I actually, again, yeah, it was a bit unique because um, the person that that happened with, who actually is dead now, he passed recently, um, kind of he was very mentally unstable. And so what I did was I took all of the blame off of him and let him not have any of it because I was like, no, nah, he, he doesn't know what he's doing and put it all on myself. And as a result, I actually suppressed it all. Okay. So I, I didn't forget. And I think like with people who do suppress things, you don't quite forget, but you kind of put a wall up and you detach from it. And so, so that you, cause you can't deal with the trauma of it. Like you just can't, especially when I was that young. And so it really didn't affect me at that age. I just remember like, it was really bad as essentially I like had to step back and I remember crying and being really upset. Like my cousin who's two years older trying to help me and it was just a big mess. And so what I did is I completely shut it down. And then, of course, years later in therapy when I was about 16 and something, again, similar happened, but more a threatening situation. I was very lucky in that, that situation because I actually got spiked and I was completely out of it. And so it was horrific, but like in a different way. Um, it kind of, and it was funny because in both of those things, the people that I went to for help didn't help me. My friends didn't help me on that night and my dad didn't help me on the other. It was very, it's very like key spiritual lesson for me. Um, which is why I then distance myself from needing anyone. Sorry, we're getting really deep. Is this okay? Of course. This is what I really want the podcast to be about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm like, this is like about my personal traumas, which I'm happy to speak about now. But like, I'm like, oh, is this too much? Um, <laughs> but I know I turned myself into a needless woman. I decided that I would never be that weak again and that I would never allow that to happen to myself. So I completely didn't need and didn't want help from anyone. And that was a big thing that I'm still overcoming now. But it, as, as inevitably does, it comes up years later in therapy um, and I was with um, a healer who ironically is just very, um, she's like very well trained to deal with sexual assault, which I didn't know at the time, but let me tell you, I found out pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> but it, it came up and I couldn't speak about it. It's almost like I had like lost my voice with it completely. Mm. And so a big part of that, I think, was reclaiming my voice around that verbalizing that that had happened to me because it's I had gone no this hasn't happened to me I can't deal with this this is too much this is I just can't this can't have happened to me it's too embarrassing that was a big thing and I still deal with that shame and like humiliation around the fact that I let myself get into that situation even though it was like seven um which sounds really bizarre but in my brain and the way that I operate it makes a lot of sense um yeah, it, it was like so humiliating to me that I had let myself be weak. That was one thing that I had to deal with. Reclaiming my voice around it was really a big thing. And that was a hard one because when you start to reclaim your voice, especially around sexual assault or abuse at such a young age, the people that fail to protect you around that time do not want to hear it. And it's not that they don't want to validate you, but they are so ashamed of the fact that that happened. They are just... You know, it's, it's trauma to them, especially your parents. They don't want to know that they let you down in such a fundamental way. They love you. They just didn't, they couldn't do anything and that they weren't there and they did the best they could. And 
one week I had to really have a difficult conversation with my mom and talk to her about this and it was tears everywhere but it was very powerful for me to reclaim my voice around it and be like okay this happened because I had literally suppressed it I just couldn't deal with it and it was very traumatic and that then kind of echoed um, being able to tell some of my friends, not all my friends know this. I'm not really secretive about it. It's something that I don't think that you should have to be secretive about. I think you should be open. The big one for me is still telling people that I like romantically I get involved with. That's a really big shame for me. And I'm still trying to not be ashamed of it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just something that I'll always probably deal with and just ignore like that fear thing. I, it's there, but I'm just going to move past it anyway. Um, but yeah, telling some of my friends and especially telling like, some of my male friends, I don't know why, but that was really empowering for me because I don't know, there's something about male energy that always makes me feel very safe, which I think goes back to my stepfather because he was like, he was an interesting man, but he was always made me feel very, very secure. And so there's mm. something about like really male energy. Um, but other than that, I actually had to like forgive. That was a big thing for me. I actually have completely forgiven um, I don't know what my, the perpetrator, I really did. I hold like no anger around him and I had to like consistently see him. It's not like I never saw him again. It's not like it was someone off the street. It never is. Um, it was like not family, but kind of someone that kind of was around um, occasionally, not all the time, thank God. And I was always very stressed out because my sister was <laughs> contact and I completely, thank God. Yeah, she was fine. Um, but I had to forgive him. And for some people that doesn't work. For some survivors of especially more consistent abuse um, because I was lucky it was not um, long-term consistent and forgiveness feels like impossible and forgiveness feels like it's um, a gaslight or it's something that's overlooking the trauma that they felt. But for me it was a relief. It was a real relief. And so I think that forgiveness is something that you can only do if it does feel like it's a relief to you. Um, it can't be something that you do or force yourself into doing. You have mm-hmm. to get there. You have to be there. And if you don't get there, you have to accept that you're not meant to. But I had to forgive him and I had to forgive myself because I had decided at like seven that I was weak and that I had allowed this to happen to me because I could not blame him because he was so um, mentally incapable of taking any responsibility. Um and it was just like learning. Sorry, I've got tears in my eyes. <laughs> um, but it just was really about learning to forgive him by forgiving myself and being like, you were, you were, you were seven. Like, it's okay. You were seven. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, forgiveness. And I think that I did that before. I'm guessing you're about to ask about forgiveness. I had to... I really don't know how I forgave him, but I decided that it was what I had to experience and that I was actually really lucky because I did kind of fly out of my body and I remember it, but in a bit more of a detached way, which was just a blessing that I personally was given kind of from spirit, even though it's still very real. It's, it's, there's something about me flying out and just detaching, which is probably some psychological phenomena as well. Maybe I've made it up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe both. Yeah, maybe a bit of both. I had to forgive and it was like the hardest thing I've ever done because at the core of it, it wasn't forgiving him. It was forgiving myself because I had redirected blame. I had told myself it was my fault. And it's something that I still struggle with because I still 
really struggle to let people in because I think I can't be weak around this person. I can't be embarrassed. I can't be humiliated. I can't be used again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's probably fucked up more than one of like my relationships, like romantically. Um, but it's still something that I give myself a break over because it's a traumatic, it's a very traumatic experience and I don't like to be weak. I don't like to, but um, yeah, it was about forgiveness for me. And it was about, it's sometimes as well ex- accepting that that was the experience that you had to have, which is really, it's kind of a horrific thing, but it's true. I had, if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't be able to work with the empathy that I do around, you know, victims of that and just generally wouldn't have learned what I've learned. It, 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 it pushed me down the path of healing and knowledge that I just wouldn't have had without it. But yeah, no, I had to, I had to forgive him. And that was by just, letting him go and going, all right, what am I going to do with this? What's this making me feel? How am I going to, how is this going to sit with me? How is this shame and this fear and this humiliation and this perceived weakness? Yeah. Going to sit with me. had to forgive myself and I don't know how I did it, but I did it mostly. I think I forgave him. I'm still working on the forgiving myself. It still comes up, but it's, it's, it's much. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Did that all make sense? Of course. Yeah. So forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think I heard you say that um, you actually experienced a similar situation when you were older. You said that you mm-hmm. were spiked and your friends kind of let you down in that situation. Or Yeah, <laughs> which so, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame them for. It wasn't their fault. I, they tried and they took me home. But when you're 18, you just don't know how to, like, just we're, we're all a bit, we're all idiots. So hopefully they don't hear this. Um, because I'm still friends with some of them, but they <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, so when I was 18, freshly minted, going out to clubs for the first time, I was very drunk that night, but being very drunk as a woman doesn't excuse anything. It doesn't excuse anything. <laughs> um, I was really anxious as well that night, and I think that contributes to being very um or being sensitive to alcohol because I actually don't drink anymore and it's not really a result of that part of I don't know alcohol doesn't really tickle my fancy um I'll have the occasional drink but I'm not a drinker um and I was in a club and someone didn't even like spike my drink he I remember someone putting something in my mouth because I was I was I remember I was dancing and then I remember I was kissing someone and then it, 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 it kind of happened again, but it's all a very big blur. So there's a little part of me that goes, did that even happen? Or are you just making that up? Like, were you, it was it consensual in your, in, in a, but to me, if someone's drunk and can't consent, then it's not consent, if, even if they are saying yes. And maybe that's just because of my experiences, but that's kind of what I believe. Um, and at the time, I then went to my friends and I was, I blacked out. Like, I don't remember anything I remember briefly like vomiting outside because like security guards had to carry me out because that whatever it was and I don't actually do drugs like I'm not I've never really um experimented with drugs it's never been something that pulled me apart from yeah uh some obvious ones um (laughs) but yeah weed um but it just was like horrific because um actually one of the girls took a photo of me half naked and put it online and yeah it was and it was like after having that trauma and like I wasn't even in the midst of the trauma that's actually kind of what brought up all of the trauma from when I was young um but it's like I completely lost faith in like humanity I know that sounds really dramatic Mm -mm. um but I it, it was like a bit of a trauma response and um 
I, I woke up tucked into my mum's bed because my mum was like out of the state um, or out of the country. I can't remember. I think she was initially and my bed and going online and seeing this photo and just like not really believing what I remembered and not really being sure of what had happened. And then I kind of, I'm kind of grateful that happened in, in, in a lot of ways because like I remember this guy like touching me, but I kind of also remember that it was like what pushed me to have the awakening around the abuse when I was young and heal and work with that. Because as soon as you, I think people really underestimate as well with like journaling and like sometimes acknowledgement is power, like awareness is power. Sometimes you don't know, need to know so much how to heal someone or how to heal something so much as you just need to know what happened. That's really powerful to just know and to understand and acknowledge. And um, that all happened. I lost like complete faith in my friends, especially one friend. Most of my friends, like some of them went there and I'm fine with them still to this day. And uh, it's, it's so frustrating to me because the girl who put me online and they just completely brushed it off. Like it was nothing. And they didn't understand how like traumatic that was for me and that, because it had brought up all of those feelings of humiliation and embarrassment and weakness that I had allowed myself to be weak and that I had been, you know, traumatised because of it. And I think that's why vulnerability is so, has been and still is at times and intimacy is such an issue for me at times. And I'm still like, I've done a lot of healing. I feel like I'm making myself sound really unhealed to people. I'm gonna, <laughs> but the truth is I'm human. You know? Yeah, um, exactly. I exactly. Have, I work through shit just as much as everyone else and that's why I can work in what I do because I doing it and I've done a lot and I've healed tremendously especially with my dad and that betrayal of him not helping me at the time even though I tried to tell him and then all of the other stuff that happened because my stepmother was a very very abusive very abusive um is still to this day um but you know it was just like I'd been vulnerable and I had been you know assaulted and then when I was young I had been molested because I'd been vulnerable and so it was a lot of healing and just having to acknowledge and bring it up and just, yeah, it was, it was a lot. And yeah, so I dealt with it again. It pushed me not into therapy. I've never really done traditional therapy has never really worked for me. I think it's great and it works for some people, but I've always kind of mishmashed things. So like I had a therapist who did kinesiology and Reiki (laughs) and yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, So she'd like talk to you and then she'd put you on the table. Um, it was kind of about being sparked and then really learning to trust again and learning that it was okay to, I had to differentiate being weak from being vulnerable. And I still have to do that. I still have to um, consciously remind myself that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's not weakness because I perceive it as weakness. That's going to allow me to be hurt again. Is that all making sense? I feel like I might not have answered your question, but (laughs) I hope I did. No, you absolutely did. And it's actually very interesting that we aligned for this phone call right now because Mm -hmm. I'm actually experiencing um, a lot of the same things. At Um, the moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back in college about 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I got drunk and I had a lot of anxiety in that Mm -hmm. night. So it just kind of like induced. Makes it worse. Oh, yeah. It definitely makes (laughs) it worse. And I ended up blacking out. And I just remember like these few glimpses or these few like snapshots of memories of this guy on top of me, like thrusting and all that stuff. And so sorry. um, 
Oh, no. But like you said, it, it's something that we go through. And I think it was a blessing that I blacked out for most of it. And mm. it's um, kind of like a bit of both, don't you think? Because in yeah. one way, it's a blessing. But in the, sun, the other way, you kind of don't trust yourself because you can't remember it perfectly. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing is like learning how to trust yourself again and, mm. and not blaming yourself for it because it, it's or at least not putting all the blame on yourself and taking it away from the other person and mm. all of that. It's just, it's tremendous work. And in addition to all the other healing, all the other human healing that we do, you know, on a collective scale and mm-hmm. even just like in our own individual lives, especially as, you know, sensitive children who have traumatic experiences to help them mature and grow up faster so that they can do this kind of work and <laughs> all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we love that. Oh, yeah. I think that this is something that's actually coming to light in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. Um, the situations where they felt out of control and they felt like they couldn't trust themselves. And I think yeah. right now in the world, we're having this huge reclamation of our power. And yeah. I think that it's it's just kind of a deep dive to go back into it. But what I wanted to ask you about that, um, kind of going out of your body for the experience and mm-hmm. not really remembering. And, you know, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. course there's like psychological suppression and everything, but do you feel like um, having that grounding practice and that boundary practice that um, you talked about earlier, do you feel like that's something that all of this kind of taught you or led you into or empowered mm-hmm. you to practice more or I actually am going to say I I don't think it did because I actually think um, it had a bit effect sometimes too much because like I know this is going to sound a bit counter spiritual but sometimes there's a thing as too many boundaries and that's called walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that um, it kind of pushed me a bit one way but I will say that I'm very grateful because <clears throat> I, this is a bit like of a tangent, but like I'm, we're all starseeds. Most of us are starseeds. Very few are proper earthlings. Um, And I actually come from a specific star group and I know which one, et cetera, et cetera. Or half of me comes from that. That has like a lot of detached energy Mm. and um, they can be quite black and white and they can be very, um, Orion, they can be very kind of positive, but also very like they see the shadows. It's, and I kind of think that that whole experience really sparked like a little bit of a level of detachment in me, which has been very helpful in terms of my practice because I can be very detached. And I want to make a real clear note, being detached and being uncaring, very different things. <laughs> you can care yet be detached because the truth is if someone's standing in quicksand, I'm not going to jump in after them. I'm going to throw a rope in. And that's mm-hmm. the difference between being detached and like being really involved. And so I would say that that whole experience um, taught me because I did kind of have a detached view of my own trauma in a lot of ways, um, taught me that you don't have to be really, really emotional to do the work around healing and it can actually be really beneficial. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with emotion. It kind of, yeah, taught me to be a bit more detached around my own trauma and work from a, from a place that wasn't so emotional because that's where I started with all of that healing around that I started very emotional I started 
in, you know, crying in this healer's office, not even being able to say that this had been like, I just could, you know, I don't know if this happened to you as well, or mm-hmm. you just can't speak it. Like, I'm like, no, 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 I can't even say it. I can't even verbalize it. It's too traumatic to being somewhat detached from it. And I think that's what that gave me the ability to be a bit detached and be like, okay, this is horrific, but how are we going to solve this? Like, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to be grounded and work with it? So, there's a big difference as well between like blame and responsibility because I had to learn like in every situation and within that situation, it really taught me not to put the blame on myself, but also to take responsibility for it because like the perpetrator, like he, he couldn't either of them, they couldn't do anything. Like I had no access to any closure from them. It wasn't my fault, but it was my opportunity to make stuff better for myself. And I always say to people like healing isn't for the broken. It's for the ambitious. I always say that, you know, Mm. it's really for the ambitious. It's for those who want to further their life. And I hate the word for responsibility because I hate that I use it sometimes. And I feel like I'm putting like the onus and the blame on someone, but it really taught me that like you have to take responsibility for your own healing in this world and for helping people do their own healing. And that's why when people come to me, I don't, I, I, I do predictions. Don't get me wrong. I do a lot of that, but I also do a lot of work regarding, okay, how can you, how can you make your life better after this experience? How can you dismantle this? How can, how can you work with this? And I think that's what that really taught me if that's yeah. Answering. Um, but in regards to grounding, I think it's more detachment to me being, is being somewhat grounded, um, because when I'm really highly emotionally involved, and that's actually why I resist doing readings for my friends. Even like my best friend is the, one of the kindest souls. She's the Gemini to my. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she, yeah, one of my best friends. Um, she always like wants to get readings from me, and she always says they're so special and good. But it's it, it's not that I, I love doing readings for her. I could do readings for her all day. But there's a level of like groundedness that she takes away from me because I'm not as detached because I really really and I I I don't know there's something between detachment and grounding that really is linked for me and that needing to be grounded comes from needing to be a bit detached so that I can sit with you instead of getting involved in like I'm so sorry like let's do I'm gonna be like I'm sorry this happened to you let's get this like let's get this worked out for you let's make this better for you let's if you had to have this awful trauma in your life let's make it count for your growth because or else it's not worth it you know, if you don't make it count for your growth, it's really not worth it. It needs to count. You need to have gone through this for a reason. That's why I don't always understand people who don't see that everything happens for a reason. Because I'm like, mm, God wouldn't be putting you through this trauma if there was no reason behind it. So, yeah, that's that's what I'd say. Detachment and grounding. They go hand in hand for me. Yeah, That's awesome. Okay, so going off of the whole everything happens for a reason because I'm definitely a wholehearted believer in that. What sort of goals and dreams have come to fruition for you because of your transformation process? Hmm. Well, the big one is the obvious one. Very successful business that I'm very proud of. And I don't think I give myself enough credit there for it. Um, Just to go into firstly, like the more traditional things. Um, I'm fully look after myself I don't need to I, at one stage I, ha- I was work I was doing uni and I was working two other jobs and I was doing tarot on the side and now I just do tarot and I, f- I live so that's a really nice one um because 
had a lot of people, like even the other day I had someone ask me, oh, but what are you actually going to do? Like what are you going to do with your degree now? You've, you've graduated. Um, and I was like, mm, but I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like really good at it. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm really good at what I do and like people pay me and I'm, I'm making enough money. I'm making, I'm like I'm really happy with how much money I make. Um, that's probably the most powerful one because if I hadn't done all of that work, especially because I was really, really unwell and I did a lot of work regarding a lot of resentment with like my dad and my, um, you know, extended family and a lot of, if I hadn't done all of that and transformed through that, especially that took me four years. That was a lot of like 16 to 20 were traumatic years for me. Um, but I wouldn't be able to have the confidence and the drive and just be who I am today in order to create my business and my page and my, um, all the people that really resonate with me. It's because I'm, not some fake phony who's all love and light. I'm very real that I have and, you know, who I am and that I've been through trauma and that I continue to heal. I don't know. There's a lot of that. Um, personal transformation-wise, I think as well the opening of the third eye and how much my gifts improved as I continued to transform was a big one. Um, I always saw but there's a depth that you start to see with and there's a learning that just kicks in to complement what you know and what you see and what you receive from spirit. If I hadn't gone through all of that, there's no way I would be able to channel the way I do and have the knowledge and understanding I do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and also just like I was a really – I was never like screwed up, but I was very like – was a really really unhappy unhappy not child but teenager and and child a little bit I was really unhappy and I'm probably happy for the like first time in my life that was the biggest thing being happy because I had been in situations and like not to blame my parents for anything but my parents like when I was born my parents got divorced when I was quite young and like they're still really good friends. I'm really lucky like that. My parents like still best friends. They get along really, really well, which is a rarity. Um, but like I was brought up in a kind of in an unhappy kind of environment. Um, so to reach happiness as small as it is, is a very like, you know, when you just like, it sounds really like victim-y, but when you're not taught to be happy as a kid, you don't expect to be happy as an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. So that's a big one. But as for, I don't know, I, I'm not very good. I have tall poppy syndrome. I never see any of my accomplishments. It's an Australian <laughs> thing. If you don't know what tall poppy syndrome it is, that you can't stand out. You have to, all the poppies have to be the same. So you can't stand out and you have to be like small, like all the other poppies. Um, but yeah, I'm just really proud of kind of where I'm at and my relationships around me and my friends and also traveling. I was really terrified to travel on my own. And now I've travelled to Europe on my own. I've travelled Australia a little bit, but I don't really count Australia as travelling, which sounds really bad, but most Australians (laughs) will say the same. We don't count going state to state as travelling. That was a big difference that I noticed as soon as I started getting a lot of American clients that they consider going different states travelling, which I thought was beautiful and something that we should really have here, but we don't do it. (laughs) Um, I was, as a result of all that I kind of went through or that I dealt with, I was really anxious um, when I was like 
14, I would have panic attacks so bad that they stopped me from going to school for a while. I was like in school rejection, which is the thing apparently. Um, but I really overcame anxiety and that was a really big thing for me. And um, to be able to travel and then to do a year, um, to do six months abroad when I went and I lived in Tuscany um, was a really big accomplishment for me. And I went into it absolutely terrified. Um, I know, sorry, these are such small things, but these are the things that I really like and proud of myself for. <laughs> I feel like I'm not very good at saying huge things. Um, I was so terrified to go into that experience that I was going to be rejected and I was going to be weak and that I had no one to protect me and that I was, and it was like the best thing I've ever done. So kind of all of those things that come as an offshoot of finding your confidence and refusing to let fear really stop you is probably a big one, big, big one. Yeah, yeah definitely. Those are not small things at all. Those are the huge things that actually help us do all the rest of the quote unquote big things, right? <laughs> Thank you. I know. I just always think of like, big things as like business or like marriage or like having a baby but they're not the only big things that we do are they yeah definitely I think the biggest one that you said is that you can actually be happy now that is such a huge accomplishment Mm. and going from there what what makes you the happiest or what do you love most about where you are right now in your life and in your work Hmm. that's that's a beautiful question um, I think I, I don't know. There's a lot that makes me happy. I, I love that I'm at the, um, threshold of, it's not that I don't love re- doing readings. I do, but I, I love that I'm at the threshold where I'm starting to, and I feel like this has been a long time coming. Cause I feel like I should have been more creative before now I've been on my, Insta- like, you know, it's been like two or three years that I've started doing this, but it's really started to come through now. I don't, and I don't think. I could be doing what I'm going to soon do and et cetera um, if I wouldn't, if I didn't have the experience and the time and the growth, because I'm going to be 24 at the end of the year. So it's, I'm still very young, um, but I kind of like am moving away from kind of just doing readings and just doing things on an individual basis to actually helping people work with their shadows at a really collective level and at a, and a, bit, a bigger level. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to really proud of really happy with and something that I really want to continue to do because I just think it's so important I'm you know that Scorpio moon we both got that Scorpio moon we love to bring up the shadows that is our bread and butter we love it (laughs) we want to bring even like with all of the Black Lives Matter all of these spiritual people that keep your peace I was like no let's bring it up let's right revolution change (laughs) yeah yeah, like I will lead the revolution like let this lead the revolution like let's go for it um but it's like it's really important what's coming up right now and that's kind of what I am really proud of and wanting to do and makes me happy and I just I love that I'm so independent as well and I've created something from not nothing but I've really created something with just me because a lot of my friends say it to me as well they're like you don't realize how lucky you are you've literally created something that is feeding you and more than feeding you and you're so good at it so aligned with it it's so who you are and that's such a blessing that I don't think everyone has and sometimes I forget that and I get annoyed with myself for forgetting it you know when I've had a rough day and I'm just fed up with 
everything because, you know, sometimes you love your clients, but it's so heavy and it's just a lot. And I'm so lucky. I have so many brilliant clients. Um, but I kind of forget that. And I always really try to remind myself of that, but I also accept that I'm human and sometimes I'm just going to be an ungrateful asshole. Um, <laughs> because it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that I'm really actually able to make a difference and also be heard because I don't think I ever really felt heard like as a child, as um, an adult, even, um, it's really nice to know that when you try to do something and try to help people and try to put something out there, that it's really going to be taken seriously or it's really going to be, you know, heard and it's going to find, it will always get me wrong, but that it's going to find people. And yeah, that's kind of what I'm really proud of just being able to kind of be me because I had a lot of issues with not authenticity, but I, it took me a while to kind of really find myself in this world, which again, is probably just a product of doing this all when I was 21 <laughs> instead of doing it when I was, all the people that I looked up to in this industry were like at least 30 or like in their early, late twenties, sorry, the early thirties. And they all knew who they were. And I was like, why don't I always know who I am? And I was like, mm, it's cause you're young. <laughs> you haven't had <laughs> enough time to learn who you are, even though have this very stubborn sense of who I am it's, I'm just I'm a contradiction what can I say um <laughs> but yeah no I I think that's a big thing just kind of being able to kind of start to move forward and and help people on a bigger scale it's really rewarding I never I always want I want to be a human rights lawyer when I was a kid because it was the only way that I could see at that time to tangibly make a difference in people's lives and that still stands I, I'm not saying I hate money because I don't. I, I like money. I like making money, but it's not the most important thing to me. It will never be the most important thing to me. Um, it's just nice to be able to sincerely do something that makes the world a bit better, even if it's not, you know, world peace. It's something. Yeah. Absolutely. You're such a badass. Like, <laughs> like everything that you do is badass. And, of course, I'm going to completely <laughs> applaud the shadow work stuff. <laughs> oh, it's so important and I, I just I love it. I, I, I revel in it. The Scorpio moon is like, yes, transform. Like, let's do this. <laughs> well, like, also that Sag fire, like my rising is in Sagittarius. So, yeah. uh, like, those two elements together, like the fire and the it's water. A, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, and, like, it's, it's something, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, it really is. It really is. It's like what? revolution in a package. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love it. And it's, it's important at this time because we've all been incarnated onto earth at this time for a big purpose. Like all of us, we've chosen to be here. It's a very transitional period and we need that. We need people who are going to bring things up from the surface. And I don't just speak for myself. I speak for a lot of people. A lot of people are really here to do that. It's mm -hmm. brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely. So what plans do you have moving forward? You said you wanted to grow and scale and everything. You don't have to like say if it's still in the works. Yeah, it's, if you do want to share. It is a bit still in the works. I am currently working on a, um, a project that's all kind of channeled information that, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it, it, yeah, it's, it's very kind of in the works. I'm hoping to get it out by mid July, hopefully, but like, I'm late to everything, so I'll probably be late to that as well. <laughs> like even today, I was like two minutes late. I'm always a bit late. Um, just, I kind of feel like I want to do the the deep dark work that some people 
don't want to do because I kind of feel like there's stuff that everyone wants to do because it like looks pretty and it brings you great things like you know <laughs> like a lot of people do the law of attraction I totally applaud that it's awesome work but I think that there needs to be a step before the law of attraction and before you're really trying to create and manifest your reality which is when you really look inwards and start dismantling and don't get me wrong that can happen at the same time it definitely does always happen at the same time like sometimes you'll be like I'm trying to manifest money and you're going to be like "Mm, okay I need to take a step back and ask myself why I have a lack mindset and this and this It it definitely does happen at the same time but I um I want to kind of create and keep continue to encourage and create that sort of thing where I kind of help people and transform in a lot of ways but let them not like do it for them, like teach them how to do it themselves because I did all of this work myself. And if someone had like, sure, I had help along the way. Don't get me wrong. I've been to a lot of healers and I have a lot of people who've helped me, a lot of teachers, a lot of triggers, etc. But you can't, no one else can do your healing on shadow work for you. You have to do it yourself. So it's about really um, creating and putting out there the, the, yeah, kind of what I'm trying I'm trying not to say because I just want to keep some shit to myself (laughs) um (laughs) just like because you know it's the malocchio it's so silly um but yeah just helping people understand and learn that that's kind of where I want to go and let's just see where the future takes us I just want to be um living in like somewhere else like you know I just want to move I don't want to stay in Australia anymore (laughs) but that looks like that's not going to happen with corona all right Uh, it is what it is yeah that's beautiful though so where can people find you so that they can stay up to date on your work and even explore the work that you do now um so uh, the obvious place to find me is always going to be instagram so at divine mary louisa which is me um and that's there's also i have at the moment a podcast i actually am needing to post an episode today as well so we're both in that position um <laughs> that um which is all the tea with mary louisa and that's about it for now i'm actually in the process of making a website that's prop like a proper website because i've always used etsy and oh it's a lot it's it's, it's an experience <laughs> which i'm sure you either know or just keep resisting doing yeah yeah it's definitely an experience <laughs> <laughs> i wish me luck Oh, definitely good luck, and I'm sure it's going to turn out amazing. Hopefully, yes, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's fun with booking systems, that's all I'm going to say, because obviously oh. there's always an element of booking systems with me. Oh, lovely. So my final question, it's one that I'm asking every guest, um, mainly yes. because I think that it's an exciting question to ask, but it's also great for the people listening to ask themselves. And the question is, who is the superhero inside of you? Mm. do you know the first one that comes to mind is the the girl who lets herself be vulnerable and weak because mm. I've spent so much of my life being that bad like that badass as you said and that strong tough nothing hurts a independent woman and I think now that's it's like I love that part of me um but and I'm so proud that she's so strong but I think it's now time to be the girl who lets herself cry and the girl that lets herself be, it lets it be known that she's like so sensitive that even the slightest thing like upsets her and freaks her out. And oh. the, I know it's the Scorpio moon. We're sensitive beings. We like don't <laughs> care, but then we do care. Um, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, the, not the weak girl because I always because I have that issue with needs and weakness and vulnerability. I always say weak, but I don't. I mean the girl who's just open. That's that's a, that's the superhero because let me tell you, she she doesn't come out often. I think she's she's it. Does that make sense? Is that oh, what you were yeah. looking for? Yes, yes, that is perfect. Oh, that's so inspiring. I mm. want to thank you so much for taking the time no, to share your you. story. And I'm so honored to be able to listen to it. And I just appreciate you so much. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you so much for like giving me the opportunity and having me on here. I was really, really appreciate it. I'm glad Spirit, when I read your message, was like, yeah, you got to do her. I was like, I know, I feel it too. We- for listening to this podcast. I hope that this episode has some way inspired you to take control, giving you the tools to feel secure and on fire in your own independence, and help to unlock within you the impact that you're here to make. You're not born with a purpose. You're born as your purpose. It's already inside of you, and it's your responsibility in this life to live that in the truest way possible. If you've gotten any sort of value out of this episode, please share it so that we can together expand our inspiration and our impact in this world.